All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Chasing Function, and this is Kai. And this is Noah, and we're back. We're back. We're back. After a little bit of travel, Kai and I are back. So we owe you uh, an apology for us not being here and an explanation. Uh, I went back to California to work with some of my NFL guys and help get them ready to get back into shape and out of pain and happened to see some of my friends while I was there and got to work a little bit. And then Kai, the following week, went to Nashville, but not like to go get drunk on Main Street, drink whiskey and wear a cowboy hat in Nashville, but to actually like do something productive. So Kai, tell me all about this productive trip. Yeah, so... I, I had planned this trip because me and my girlfriend, um, we eventually want to own a farm and have our own farm and have our own produce and everything like that. So, um, and she had mentioned to me before that she really liked Dr. Axe. Dr. Josh Axe is a functional medicine doctor, chiropractor. Him, him and a, a guy named Jordan Rubin started um, Ancient Nutrition, just a supplement company. Um, but what they did was they opened up this, uh, they have, I think they have two farms. One of them is in Tennessee and the other one is, I believe in like Kansas or Missouri or somewhere over there. And, um, but the, this farm that they started in Tennessee, uh, they named it the ranch project, which I, I don't remember the end of it, but it's regenerative agriculture and climate health or something like that. So I was researching it and I was like, oh, I definitely want to go there. And, um, you know, both me and my girlfriend have never really worked on a farm. So we wanted to volunteer and work on there. And what other place to do it than Dr. Axe's farm? So I emailed the guy over there and, um, you know, a question about, you know, volunteer opportunities and everything. Um, and he did, he got back to me with like, oh, these are the dates or these are the, the, the times of year that are best to come out there, right? We don't go into winter because, you know, much work to do out there. Um, it's cold. Yeah, it's cold. And uh, so we he said around like end of April, May would be a good time. So I arranged the trip. I picked out dates and, um, and let him know like, oh, we're going to be out there these dates. Are there any available, you know, volunteer opportunities? And then he gets back to me saying, no, there's a private event that weekend. So I'm like, well, shoot, we already booked everything. Um, but you know what? Let's just go. I can probably find another farm out there. It's like farm, Farmville out there, uh, which the city that it's in is called Summertown. And it's 90 minutes south of Nashville. Um, so it's like the southern border of Tennessee. So we get there. Funny, funny stories of how we got there because we landed at 1 a.m. and uh lifts are not prevalent down south. So, oh yeah, you forget you forget you're not in uh, Kansas anymore. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah uh yeah. living in Kannapolis, North Carolina, if I'd like a lift, I have to plan it. And even yeah. then I may not get it. Yeah. yeah. So for everyone out there if you're going somewhere that you don't know just rent a car um but yeah so the first the first story is we we get our lift driver he looks at his you know maps because he picks us up at the airport he's like oh shit oh sorry he's like you're going all the way down there and it was like 90 minutes or actually it was probably a little less because it was 1 a.m but so he's driving us and he's talking and he's telling us stories and stuff but he uh it we're going through like all these country towns but it's like pitch black dark right so we can't see anything it's a little scary and then it starts pouring rain and yep. for you telling me the first time you felt the rain out there and i was like oh this is what i was talking about and it was like like california gets rain but not not like this yep <laughs> this it just felt like someone was just dumping water gallons and gallons of water so we're like oh my gosh later to find out from the locals they're like oh that was nothing yeah <laughs> what yeah. so 
Yeah. So we got to experience that. And then we, uh, the place that I, that I chose to stay was about two miles away from, uh, where the, the ranch farm is. And it's this retreat center and this lady that owns it does like massage and, um, she has her own little farm, like tiny little farm that she has on her property too. And, uh, she has two little cabins. So we did like the cabin life, <clears throat> which was really cool. Um, very, very peaceful, very, um, very quaint and, and serene. And so we get there and I'm like, okay, there's another community called the farm. So I was like, oh, we'll go check that out. It's only two miles away. And so I was like, oh, do you want to go for a walk? It was like eight or nine o'clock in the morning. So we're going, we get outside and the lady that owns the place is, you know, tending to her little garden or whatever. And so we started talking to her, telling us her, her telling her our story of how we wanted to go see the ranch, but there's a private event happening. She's like, oh, I know the people that work there. And she's like, let me just call. I'll pull some strings and get you guys over there. We're like, okay. And, you know, she knew we didn't have a car. And so she drove us over there, started talking to the people that worked there. And she's like, yeah, I'll take you guys out here. And, you know, you guys can see whatever you want to see. And so I was like, okay, cool. And we saw the private party going and they went on this tractor and everything. But she took us to see the greenhouses um, and they apparently they had like over a hundred greenhouses before that was doing uh, cannabis cannabis. But when the winds hit during the winter, I guess it like turned them all over. So they had to kind of start from scratch and they started doing uh, more tropical plants. I guess the cannabis wasn't really working out, but so we got to see that. Um, and I think this place is like four, 14,000 acres or something like that, something wild. And, um, and so then she's like, oh, I'm going to take you over to go see the animals. Super, super interesting. Um, and so we go over there and the private party's there. So we like sneak up behind them and just kind of join. Um, but they were talking about the animals. And so there's a, a, a pen that's uh, surrounded by electric fence. And um, so they have water buffalo, super interesting with cows, goats, and sheep, all in the same place grazing on this little pasture. Um, and, and they were saying that there's something to do with the water buffalo saliva and the bacteria and how it interacts with the soil and, you know, like how it does with the, the health of the plants and everything like that, which is really cool. Um, I don't know more than that, but I'm, I'm going to probably research it a little bit more. But they have that. And then next to that, there's another little section that's electric fence and it's all the birds, which is turkeys, chickens, and ducks. And so they're grazing. And I guess what happens is there's a 73 day rotation. So the cows and the water buffalo and everything is in one section. Then they move to the next section where there's fresh grass. And then the birds move to theirs, the, where the, where the um, herd was before and they graze on that. So there's like this, basically like an ecosystem that's going on. And so there's 73 spots that they go to. And by the 73rd day, they go back to the same spot and they're grazing on fresh, fresh grass, which was really cool. So we got to see that. Uh, we got to actually go up close to the water buffalo and pet it and they're ginormous. And both the male and female have horns, which is scary, but um but so this is the other crazy, craziest part about this trip is that private party, the guys that were leading that were Jordan Rubin and Dr. Pompa, which are like big names in health. Jordan Rubin helped start that uh, ancient nutrition and Dr. Pompa is like a functional medicine physician and he's starting, he has this whole program that's built out and so we got to see them there, which was really cool. And I guess uh, we didn't really know, but my girlfriend recognized one girl, one lady that's like a holistic uh, practitioner. So we're guessing that it was like a holistic practitioner, like private group that wanted to go see the farm or something like that. So, yeah. so it was, it was just wild that that happened.
And um, so, yeah, we, we got to see that. And, um, you know, and, and so there's a guy that has a ranch next to where they bought that property and he kind of partnered with them to help buy that ranch and take care of the land and everything. And this guy used to be in like fermented foods and then he became a shepherd for animals. Crazy. So while we're in the pen, there's like probably close to 30, 40 people in there. The sheep start getting a little skittish. So they start like running around in a circle. And then the water buffalo started moving. And we we're like, that's like a 600 pound animal. We're, we're going to probably get out of here. So, um, so they start moving around and then the guy, his name's Tom, just gets up and just holds his arms out and they all just stop like dead in their tracks. And it was like, holy crap, this guy's got power for all these animals. It was wild. Um, so yeah, so we saw that. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the trip, uh, we went to that, we actually got to go to the farm community. They, the people that own the place that the retreat that we were at, they used to work on that community. So it, you, when you hear the name, you think, oh, it's like a farm and, you know, community living around it. It's, it was, it was made in the seventies. And so it's like a co-op, like a commune, the people just buy land and they live there and everyone kind of contributes and everything. So there's real no, no, not really a farm there. So even if we would have gone there, it would have been like, oh, this is not what would I would have been disappointing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that life, you just feel so like peaceful and you're not thinking about, okay, well, I got to go do this at six and this at seven and this at eight and this and this and this and this and this. So you're just like taking in nature and like the birds out there singing and the sun hitting you and you know like it's just quiet like there's just nothing out there and uh we sat out on the porch and just kind of sat there for like an hour just hanging out drinking coffee and tea and yeah it was it was nice it was very uh um different than here <laughs> so um and then you know we drove around uh well the, the guy drove us around and and everywhere you looked on every house everyone had two little um porch um rocking chairs yeah they just kind of sit out and that's their entertainment and so it was it was really nice um so that was the first part of the trip second part of the trip we went to nashville and uh my my one of my family friends my dad's best friend lives out there with his family and they live about 20 minutes outside of downtown um and like downtown is like any other downtown in any other city yeah um, old dichotomy you got everything yeah uh and and bachelorette city my gosh yeah oh my gosh the capital yeah um but the where where my family friend lives it was like just like down where I was before it, just a little bit more compact I would say but like yeah. neighbors had some breathing room which was yeah. really cool so like um you know and then when we we got there we left there around like eight you know, seven or eight p.m and it was quiet super quiet there's no highways there's no you know rowdy neighbors or anything like that so it was just super super cool um but yeah so welcome to the south Ah, dude oh my gosh i'm gonna just become a southern uh whatever they called it's pretty crazy how different the lifestyle is i mean as someone who lives in the south now i mean you you're really describing a lot of the the similarities to my experience um even down to the weather i think you know i live in someone that's probably more like your second stop than your first but um i live right on the border of that town so when you go just past where i live you go into china grove which is farm and it's mm. it's interesting like uh, one of the things i know I'd, we had talked about was like getting used to tempo yeah. and trying to understand speed and i actually had a really hard time initially adjusting i felt like anxiety around the lifestyle that i lived here because i I was bringing a speed that nobody else was matching. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it was to my detriment. Like I'd be standing in line. There'd be a line behind me of people, you know, to get coffee or something. And the person in front of me is talking to the cashier about like her hair color. Yeah. You know, and like nobody's, nobody's freaking out in line. Like everybody's yeah. fine. Like it's weird in California. Right? too. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. In a rush. And I was yeah, like, bad. oh man, this feels, yeah. this feels nice. Weird. So the thing is, is like California, like you see a lot of emphasis on being on time. And what I find with the South is everybody's late. Yeah. Everything. They're always late. Everybody's late. And you, there's things like weather that make you yeah. late. There's things like I had to chip the ice off my, my window yeah. to make me late. Like you have this one category of late that is like, you know, the elements. Yeah. Right? And then this other category of late is just like, nothing runs quite like to scale into the clock. And so everything's like a little bit off, but it, it's, it's different. It's weird. It's, I don't know if it's better or worse. I'm still de- deciding that, but what yeah. I will say is as an entrepreneur who's had to, you know, continue to sell and grow my business, I had to change the way I approached people because in California, you're very upfront about, your presentation of how you work right and so it's like california time is money so it's like what do you do how can you help me what kind of service can you provide for me and it's it's boom 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 right here it's do i trust you yeah do i want to work with you do i like you in california i felt like there's a lot of people that would work with you even if they didn't like you they just they just needed the service they needed the service right and they're more about the service so I had to really, really change the way I did things. Like I had to change the way I interacted with with my client base. I had to change the way I talked to my client base. I found that I was way overwhelming in presentation and information and in speed and in tempo. And I still find that I do it sometimes. I get excited and I start talking about all my stuff. People look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> it's interesting how, you know, call it upbringing, call it exposure. I, I don't really know, but... It's really interesting. I mean, you could even call it capitalism. I don't tell you, there's so much more money going around, right? Um, but it's it's definitely a different world. Going back to the initial, the farm piece, you know, I grew up with a grandpa who was a farmer. I grew up going to South Dakota to the family farm. Um, I had a lot of exposure to it at an early age. Having that exposure to the farm like you had, Obviously, like the lifestyle is appealing to you, um, but what what felt different about being there? Like what what felt like 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 just out of the ordinary for you? Like what felt uncomfortable, or did any of it feel uncomfortable? Um, I would I would say none of it felt uncomfortable. It was uh, it was actually really. I just always go back to being peaceful. Um, you know, like I, I've never worked on a farm or anything like that, but it just felt right. Um, you know, and I guess, you know, coming from, uh, I guess, yeah, you would call it like capitalism or something like that, but like, it's weird to say that, right? Because yeah. it doesn't feel that way in California. But it, I think, you know, I, I, I attribute some of it to the general cost of living in California. Yeah. And the cost of, of goods, right? The cost of everything mm-hmm. is so high that everybody has to be more money-minded. Like, yeah. everybody has to be concerned with the hustle. Whereas, I don't want to say everybody's like, living fine in North Carolina or in Tennessee. Cause I know, I know it's not the way it is, but I find that a lot of people don't live outside of their means. If anything, they live underneath their means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find that, you know, my realtor had told me this. So when I first bought my house here, I was looking around and I was like, who here can afford my services? Like I'm expensive. Like, how am I going to make money here? Like, how am I going to build a client base here? And he goes, you're driving by all these houses where these people have lived for 40 years. He's like, you don't know how much money they have. He's like, a lot of these people, are, they save their money. They, they save their means. They don't live beyond their means. 
Jones. They're not trying to keep up with the Joneses like they are in California. So you you really got to be careful judging people because a lot of these people can afford you. He's like, in fact, he's like, most of these people have more money than the people that you interact with in California. He's like, when I first came here as a realtor, he came from Arizona. Uh, he said, I kind of had a similar perspective. He's like, but I can't tell you how many people have come to me that I thought could not afford the houses we were looking at and they're putting cash offers. Wow. You know, he's like, there's a lot of family money and there's a lot of people that, that hold their money. Um, he's like, and there's a lot of people that kind of commune their money. So it's, it's interesting to think like, it's just such a weird dichotomy of life, right? Orange County where it's like, hustle and bustle and that you know there's gucci and there's prada and there's teslas and all these things and you get out here and it's like people in like beat up corollas you know what i mean like wearing carhartt t-shirts and like just not giving a shit and it's kind of i feel like i want to live somewhere in the middle you know like i i miss parts of orange county i miss accessibility i miss um function i miss tempo um but i also love the ability to like down regulate and slow and to your point on the farm it's like you've got these beautiful ecosystems you've got you know i was driving in the freeway today and i i I had a zach bush moment where i just kind of paused and like looked out and was like man that's fucking that's beautiful those trees are like they're lush and they've grown and they weren't there three months ago and they're gorgeous. And it's like, and you're looking at the density of the trees and the density of the woods. And you're like, I don't think I could walk in there if I wanted to, like, there's just so much growth and such an ecosystem and going back to like the bison and stuff like that. It's, it's interesting when you look at places like farms like that, that understand like that, like nature has this beautiful balance that was created around like it works like bison have saliva that facilitate the growth of the grass so the chickens and the, the birds can do their thing. And it's like, you start to hear this and you, you, you know, not to get like too spiritual or weird, but like, you, I mean, this eminent design looks like pretty interesting, right? Like, yeah. like how the hell does this work just so cohesively? And then what have we done as humans to mess that up? You know, like, reading synthetic foods when all this food will grow yeah if we just let it yeah right i mean there was a i always remember this uh i think it was on discovery channel or national geographic or something like that and it was about this forest and um people started like killing all the wolves because they kept getting into their stuff or whatever and soon enough there was no more wolves and the forest started to die and you know critters started to die and it was like well what's happening and then someone finally figured out it was like oh there's no more wolves they brought the wolves back and then this like two weeks later the 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 forest started to flourish again it's like there's there's certain reasons why there are things in place you know that the whole animal chain and all those things like there's a reason why that they're there and then, you know, one of my clients this week told me, too, that there was a whole thing about, um, you know, people uh, killing off the bison in uh, Midwest or something like that. And it, like, messed up the whole uh, ecosystem and, and you know, the, the whole, I don't know if it was a farm or, um, or a forest or something like that. But, yeah, a, a lot of these animals are important to the area. Um, and, and I also saw, like, another documentary thing on bees and, like, you know, the whole yeah. bee uh, movement or whatever, it's like save the bees. If the bees die, like, we're basically done. Like, that's well, pretty wild to think about. Here, here's the thing, like, everyone says that, right? And then what they don't, but what they don't take into consideration is synthetic food just becomes more valuable, right? Because if the bees die, like, the bees die, right? And it sucks, but, you know, you have major food manufacturers that are going to find ways around that. And I I think this is the struggle that I have with a lot of these discussions is like, we need bees. Right. And, and this isn't an excuse to like do these things, but humans will find ways around all these things. Right. And they just keep finding ways around these things. And it's like, you know, 
I mean, I know this is like an angel question. I know there's not a lot of debate around this, but I, I don't know at what point do we stop finding ways and just like let life live, right? Like we, you know, I had a conversation with one of my patients today. She was kind of frustrated. I've been working with her for a while. And she feels like, she says, you know, my back's kind of tired today. I kind of feel like I'm always moving backwards. And I said, well, I said, you know, I, I don't, I don't mean to be rude or pessimistic, but you are. And she goes, what do you mean? I go, well, the, the number one thing that's causing all of your problems in life is your job. Like, and the number one thing that feeds you and causes all growth in your life is your job. I go, so I go, it's not realistic for me as a practitioner to tell you to just go quit your job tomorrow. But like what you do for a living is long, extensive days. Some days it's all walking, 30,000 steps. And some days it's all sitting, right? And in the end, like your body can't adapt to either. So what we're doing as, as you know, me trying to provide care for you is I'm guessing where you are and I'm meeting you there. And so I'm just constantly meeting you in the middle, right? And at the end of the discussion, like what we found through the conversation was the only thing that really holds her up and keeps her in a position where she doesn't move backwards is training, right? And so I, I just kind of presented it this way. I said, like, you know, you don't work on a farm. Like, you're not – we can just stop training tomorrow if you want to go move bales of hay and carry buckets of water and plow the fields and, you know, carry chickens and do the things that they do on farms, right? Like, if you want to do that, and you just want to go to a natural lifestyle, we can just stop training altogether. Like we all have like happily, right? I go, but how practical is that? She's like, well, it's not practical. I'm like, even if everybody made the decision to do that, where would they go? We don't have enough farms, yeah. right? Like you had to go to the middle of bum fucking nowhere to find a farm, right? And even still, most of these farms are full. They're capped out on employment, right? Most of these farms, when they really, really get built up, kind of run themselves mm -hmm. right like you've got to tend to it but like once you build the ecosystem they do their own thing right and so it's interesting because you know like i try to be positive with my patients but like what am i supposed to say like because i've seen patients who have stopped doing their exercises and then they go they just revert back to where they were prior and she's like, well, so I'm like, I'm held captive by these exercises. She didn't say that, but that's essentially where we were going with this. And I was like, yeah, because what we've done is we've built a program for you that goes and trains against your life. So we're bringing nat naturality, for lack of better words, to your life, right? Like we're bringing the opposite of what you do. So if you're going to, if you're sitting all day long, we're hammering hip extension with pelvic control to ensure that you don't have closed angle joint pain on the front side of your hip, right? We're working on abduction and rotation because you've been so stiff sitting in a chair. Oh, you've been standing too much. Great. We're going to bring blood back to your back and help get you back into a position where you can create flexion because you've been extension all day. Like the, the, the unfortunate reality is like, well, we're going against what she does for work. It's crazy because that's what you and I do. I mean, that's literally the, that's the essence of our job, right? I was working on a client the other day and she, very high stress moment. She's got a lot going on in her life. She's like, my neck is really bothering me. I have a spot in here and the back of my, between my shoulder blades, it's really bothering me. She said, what the hell is it? I said, well, it's your respiratory patterns. I go, I bet you if we look at your whoop, you have elevated respiratory rates because you've been stressed for four days dealing with family stuff. Sure enough, it was. So we're doing soft tissue work to like bring some sort of like relief to that area. But the reality is, is like you need to downregulate and chill out. That naturality of life that you're speaking of, that sitting on the, the patio, sitting in your chair, sipping your tea in darkness, right? Like living in accordance to your circadian rhythm, eating natural food, just down-regulating with positive social interactions, spending time with people that you love, deeply interacting, staring off into the darkness or, or staring into the sunset. Like, that's all neutrality. Like, that's natural. That's the way we should be. That's how people came down from a day of work, right? Not watching TV and, you know, drinking a shitload of wine because they're so stressed out. Yeah. And so it was funny because, like, when Kai and I were talking before this, Kai started telling me a story and I said, is this, is this a story 
of like ambivalence and like growth or is this a story about your trip and he's like well and i'm like i think it it it, it's both things right like obviously you had an awesome trip which i appreciate and i think it's cool but i think there's like there's a message to be said here right like exposure to this other world is really valuable and i speaking from somebody who's an orange county kid right 38 years 39 years in orange county um <laughs> like coming to the south was um eye-opening yeah. as you now can imagine right yeah. like like there's no ubers right there's no like there's not a, a mcdonald's on every corner there's no del taco right there's, there's no waffle houses, houses though there's waffle <laughs> houses. and they don't play at waffle houses like they don't i strongly recommend going to a waffle house honestly the food's like not bad it's like a little better than denny's but um environmentally it's very interesting to go witness uh a waffle house you haven't done anything until you've been served by like a a toothless like 70 year old woman but uh man i went to a waffle i mean to the to the point of the south right I, I had just i had been here for not long and uh it was christmas time i didn't have my girls don't have a lot of friends yet obviously i just moved here and uh i'm like where, where do i eat like I don't have food and there's nothing's open. And again, in the South, right? Like if there's an opportunity to close, these mofos close, like mm. they're closed on Sundays. They're yeah. closed till 12. They close at 8 30 PM. It's like, you know, like Martin Luther King day and they're closing. Like they close whenever they possibly can. Like nobody's trying to work, uh, which I hate and appreciate on its own. Right. Right. Like I almost, I'm like, well, that's really cool that companies value giving people the day off so they can go and enjoy life. Uh, but like, I want some chicken too. So like, <laughs> you know, but, um, so I walk into a waffle house, it's Christmas Eve. It's, I don't know, nine, 10 PM ladies working. The place is almost empty. There's like nobody there. Ladies working. She's got her two kids there. Mm. So she's working while her kids are on shift with her and her kids. I mean, probably, little boy that's like nine little girl maybe like maybe 11 or 12 like not much older than my kids and uh the kids are doing their mom's side work they're like sweeping the floor and like wiping tables and like i i came from that work ethic i grew up really poor um i grew up with a dad that was like there's no excuse for being poor like we're not gonna like we're not gonna live in this like we're gonna we're gonna work our way out of this right like you can always just outwork everybody and i look over at the kids and I'm like man that's like it's kind of cool like it's yeah it kind of sucks right like i i understand what it's like to be poor and struggle but it's kind of like these kids are getting this work ethic that like when i you know in orange county it was like <laughs> like that's non-existent right yeah. and you know to be said like the parents work hard to have a lifestyle and their kids get the benefit from their lifestyle and i get that too but um yeah i mean this is the south yeah you know and it, it's just crazy that this is how different life is yeah and and so my my family friend uh suggested that we go to this uh downtown franklin which is like another 30 minutes south of downtown um yeah and it was like built in 1799 and like yep. civil war sites and everything and super super um just like down-to-earth people and um, you know, mom and pop shops all over. Yeah. And we went to this coffee house and this little like 12 year old boy like brings our food out. And we're like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no child was, labor laws here. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah. But it's like those places, like those coffee shops are like they're owned by someone's grandparents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like somebody's daughter grew up working there and their kids are working there. Like, yeah it again it feels so natural like it feels like entrepreneurship here feels like so authentic and like real and like this is my baby i grew this yeah. i take pride in this you know yeah so that's kind of where i was going when i was talking about the uh the farms it's like you know coming from a place of like you're exchanging your knowledge for money versus like my hard work and blood sweat and tears into this earth to grow food and to to build this community like that's what i like what felt right to me was like yeah i can get you know a, a degree and get these certifications and get all these things and have all this knowledge 
but it, it to me it just always never felt like um like authentic and genuine like if yeah. i can go and, and have a farm and like build that with my bare hands and nurture the food and like put love blood sweat and tears into all that like to me that's more um i guess you would call it worthy of exchange for you know money whatever it may be but i mean like, it's sweat equity man like it's yeah yeah. You know, it's me putting myself into something. I think, like, how much, and don't get me wrong, I take a lot of pride in being able to help people get out of pain, but, like, it, you know, I don't know. I, it's hard to, like, find, like, I created this. I guess, actually, I don't know. I think part of the reason I, I came to this industry was for that reason. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like my sweat equity is creating, creating value, right? Like, I'm offering me in yeah. service. But I mean, it's like, you know, if you're building widgets, like maybe that doesn't feel that way. I don't know. But it's, it is. I mean, and, and it is, it's the natural way of life, right? One of my clients um, is in like North Texas. Like, I mean, like Texas, right? Like yeah. belt, belt buckle Texas, right? And oh, um, nice. yeah, yeah, like Texas. And they, like they their whole neighborhood is co-opt right mm-hmm. like like one lady has potatoes and one lady has carrots and like one lady has this and that and like her husband is a hunter and so he's providing he'll bring meat and like you know they go get the meat you know made into ground meat and blah 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 and then they, like it's shared and it's like literally their whole neighborhood is co-op like she's she was talking about how like they feed a homeless man, like a homeless man comes to their house weekly and they hand him baskets of food and then he goes back to his car and he like has their food. And it's just, it's, you, you talk with her and she's, I mean, she's so authentic and real and nice and kind and sweet. Um, But I mean, she's born and raised in this environment. Like she's born here. Right. And so you have these, you see her, her world. Like you, you know, I'm on zoom, right. I've never been in her home, but she's got like a lawn chair in her living room. Like I couldn't imagine putting a lawn chair in my living room and like, have that be like the feng shui be okay. Right. Like, and, <laughs> and like in terms of practicality, like a lawn chair in the living room is fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But like that feels weird to me being from Orange County that like, yeah. I could never like put a lawn you know what i mean like there's got to be you know, some extra turf underneath it or something something right like <laughs> uh the the back behind her is like wood paneling mm-hmm. right like you know the house is like yep. 1915 kind of shit right and like again in orange county like we're like tearing that off and we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to like renovate the house and, yeah in her mind when you ask her questions about her home Everything works. Yeah. And the point of her home isn't representation of her wealth. Yeah. It's, it works. It's functional. Like the response on the chair is the the chair is comfortable. I I like that chair. So yeah, I do sit in that chair regularly because I enjoy that chair. That makes so much fucking sense. Like that makes so much sense. Yet. I even struggle with my ingrained ingrained in my DNA somehow this like other life. Like I don't I don't know what it would take. I'm I'm already working to deprogram, but I don't even know what it would take for me to get to a place where I can mentally be that comfortable with functionality. This is why people hate Californians. I don't blame them. <laughs> I mean I'm not a big fan of us either. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, my trip back to California was great. I got to see friends and I got to see family and I got, I mean, it was really, really great. I enjoyed every moment of being home, but, um, and it does feel like home. I say home. It does feel like home. Like, yeah. um, I went to the beach multiple times, even when the weather was bad. Like I have an underwater mural on my arm for Christ's sakes, people. Like I am a, I'm a beach baby. Like I miss the water. I miss that life. Um, but like I went to Whole Foods one day for lunch and I was just like, this place is so much. 
Yeah. Right. Like it's just so much like just such abundance. And like, you know, I got like a Caesar salad with like some chicken and some like egg on it. And it was like $20. And I was like, you know, like, I'm like, what the, like, what the fuck? Like the salad, like it was crazy. Um, it all just feels like a lot when you aren't there. Like, in, and the whole foods I'm talking about, I know a lot of our, I know our listeners are all over, all over the world at this point, which is kind of freaking crazy to think about when we see like Europe on our thing. But um, the whole foods that I'm talking about is literally, it's in the heart of one of the most expensive areas in the planet. And so you, you get in the drive, the parking lot and it's like, Mercedes, Tesla, Lexus, Ferrari, like I mean it's it's the parking lot is out of control. And then you walk into Whole Foods and you're like, ah, there's a reason the salad is twenty two dollars, right? Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like it just it, none of it makes sense when you really think about it. But I don't know, man. I think it's cool. I think it's cool that you got to experience what you got to experience. And I think I even would love to have to go see something like that. I haven't done enough wandering into say like a farm or things like that the way I would like to. But what I would say is I do believe that everybody should spend time going to places like this um, and having exposure. Come visit me. I can show you some stuff. Um, Next trip. Next trip. That's what I get here. Um, It's just, man, it's just, it's crazy to see how different the world is. And it's funny because there's going to be a population of people that hear this podcast from us be like man these guys are idiots like yeah you know like this is where i live right Whole foods is like, live. right like well i i mean i think in both perspectives i think you're gonna have people who hear hear us talk that are like i love this life i wouldn't want anything else and then you're gonna have other people hear us talk and again like we've we look at where our downloads are right they're everywhere like, yeah. like they're all over the world so there's gonna be people that are gonna look at this <laughs> that are gonna be from you know aberdeen texas that are like yeah i just killed a deer and I'm hanging it outside for jerky. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be people that hear this, that, that hear us coming to these revelations about life and like ecosystems and all the stuff that are going to be like, yeah, this is just life. Yeah. And I guess the thing to me, the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you and the reason I thought it was of value to people out there is, you know, I think meeting people where they're at and then trying to understand like, trying to find natural like naturalness to your life, I think is so imperative. And if, if anyone hears this and, and, and if they can all just get a little bit out of this, I hope they can gather that like even a city folk spending some time in what, what, what is more natural, it does feel natural to us too. And I think it is human. So I also wanted to, before we end, I just wanted to add, so like this whole trip was like, you know, call it what you want, divine intervention, whatever it is. Um, what is it called? Uh, black swan moments. Um, so like we had no idea that we were going to go to the ranch. We went to the ranch. Uh, right. We were going to get back to Nashville. We got back to Nashville. Um, but the funniest thing is that we went, we actually went to Bourbon or, uh, Broadway, which is the five blocks of 140. Bucks. Right. Um, but one of our Lyft drivers was like, oh, if you want to go somewhere that's a little more low key, go to Prairie's Alley. And so it's like a few blocks away from Broadway. Right. So we walked over there. Um, and it's just like this alleyway and like a bunch of little dive bars and stuff. And I found one that was like London themed. It was like the underground kind of like bar type dive bar or whatever. So we go in there and they have darts and I'm like, oh, let's go play some darts. And this guy that's sitting at the bar, I went to go get the darts from the bartender. And the guy's like, oh, you guys are going to play some darts. Like, my board's been out of commission. Uh, you know, I'd love to go play. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. So he comes over and we start playing and we start talking. And this this guy is works for the USDA. And it's like, what? Of all places, you're at this dive bar in Nashville. And he was from Kansas City, Missouri. But they were having a conference. And so he was in Nashville for the week and it was just like, of all places, we meet a guy that works for the freaking USDA and I got his email. So he's like, yeah, you know, like there's all these grants and lease, um, um, loans and stuff that you can get yeah. to buy land and everything. And I'm like, 
what's your number? What's your email? Let's, <laughs> come on, dude. Those uh, USDA, those USDA benefits are nice. They, uh, gosh, dude. They, yeah, they hook it up. Work for my time in mortgage. Um, there's a lot of benefit. It's funny. The young lady that I was talking about from Texas, um, they make it a point to have enough agriculture on their land to have a USDA benefit because they yeah. have such a huge tax break. Dude, and you know, like all the the people that we met um, down um, in Summertown, we're like, yeah, you know, like people just have these cemeteries because yeah. you get a tax benefit from it. And I was yep. like, yep. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, those people don't want to give away their money. Right. I think yeah. that's another, um, another thing to be said about people from the South is like, they may not make a lot, but they're not going to pay a lot to the government either. Exactly. You know? They're trying to hold that cash coming from California. It's funny to be like here yeah. that said, because we just gave it all away, but so um, much more yeah. That. Yeah. There's a lot of people taking full advantage and I recommend that when you open yeah. your farm. But, and Tennessee has no income tax. So like, yeah, I mean, I was pushing for tax. I was pushing for Tennessee um when this family decision came. I was like I said Tennessee right away, but <laughs> I was outvoted. Um North Carolina's not so bad, but um yeah, I I enjoyed Tennessee. I drove through it and I really liked it and um it's funny what you'll find Tennessee and North Carolina are a lot closer than, I mean, we were only a few hours apart at that point. Right. And so in between us is the Appalachian mountains Mm -hmm. and, you know, my drive across the U S which was insane to begin with. um, Driving through the mountains of Arizona were awesome. Driving to the Appalachians were awesome. The rest of the United States (laughs) wasn't so great. But um, it's funny because those Appalachian mountain ranges are huge. And they're there when you start talking about like ecosystems and like there's a bunch of farms up there. There's all kinds. I mean, there's so much agriculture in this area. And, you know, it's just here. It's all like right here. It's wild, man. It's it's a it's a weird place. It's yeah. yeah. I'm glad you had a great trip, man. You guys. You and the missus definitely deserve it. And um, I, I'm i glad that you got to like live your personal best life on a farm because I think it's pretty cool. Um, and I look forward to you being a farmer one day, <laughs> walking right. around with a cowboy hat. and uh, Walking around with wheatgrass in my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> wheatgrass in my mouth. <laughs> Just don't have, no accent, please. Like, let's Why just leave the accent out. I love accents. <laughs> oh, Lord. Accent out there. Cairo place for a living. Dude, I'm gonna visit my friend in South Carolina and his accent is so thick. Oh my gosh. Oh <laughs> I had a patient today. I'm talking about patients all day all day. I had a patient today. She's 13, born and raised here. And uh I'm like, man, I'm like, girl, you were so country. And she's yeah. like, What are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. She's like in her just <laughs> deepest, <laughs> thickest southern accent. She's like, I'm not country, blah 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 blah. I'm like stop you were so damn country it's ridiculous you're fixing to get your ass kicked boy <laughs> yeah but like like okay these 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 country women are different they will punch you right in the mouth um but yeah it's funny because like again california right like i i don't accents aren't like a thing here and you get some accents here that you're like excuse me what valley you say girl <laughs> can you can you tell me i guess valley girl can you slow it down a little bit <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, sometimes, man, you get some of these people with these accents that you're just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I need you to repeat. Like, you're not even using the same language. You're saying words that I don't know or understand. Okay, before we go, did you have any good Southern food? Okay, so when we were on the the in Summertown, uh, the lady actually offered for us to have lunch with her, which okay. saved us because we wouldn't have been able to get food anywhere else. Um, and it was like all from her farm and like okay. this chicken mushroom soup with bread that her husband made with like what smelled like ghee, but it was probably just like real butter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was that was um, the most amazing food. Everything else, uh, we went to this diner that was like close by in Summertown and got like burgers and fries and stuff and prices out there 
my gosh. Um, it was a little different. <laughs> yeah. We were like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that food was pretty good. Not, not the best, but we went into Nashville and um, we tried this barbecue spot and it, it just, it, it wasn't that great, but um, I'm going to get crucified for this, but uh, Texas barbecue is the best barbecue. I would, I would imagine. I would imagine. And the other- I did have in Arkansas. I had pretty good barbecue actually. Okay. Pretty good barbecue, yeah. But Texas is the Texas is the place. Uh, that's the next place I want to go for barbecue. But other than that, we had home home cooked meal at my my family friends the night before, so we didn't really eat a whole lot of Southern food. So I couldn't really. But everyone was telling us everyone was telling us to go to Hattie B's and Prince's, which is like hot chicken. Yeah. And we didn't go to either. South loves their fried chicken. Loves their fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. South is. I've had some pretty good biscuits and gravy, even though it's not my favorite thing in the world, but I've had some pretty good stuff at a place called Breakfast Time. Of all, like the name is just perfect. Yeah. Um, I've had some hush puppies that were pretty good. I'm with you. Southern barbecue is not my favorite. It's kind of vinegary. It's not my favorite. Um, well, no, I love barbecue, but like southern barbecue, though. Oh, okay, you've got southern barbecue and then you have Texas barbecue. You're gonna be educated on this here, my man. Oh, and they're not educating me, yeah. Educating you need to Google this shit. Southern barbecue <laughs> is like it's more vinegar based, it's like a lighter uh, dressing, but it's more vinegar based. Okay. Uh, I like the Texas, the sweeter, Slatty sweet, spicy barbecue. Uh, no exaggeration on Sunday, Sunday, I think, Saturday or Sunday. I'm going to um, a pork cook-off Oof. Oof. where instead of it being like a chili cook-off, they are making pork and it's being judged. This is what you do in the South, guy, is you go to pork cook-offs. Man, um, you're making me crazy right now. To, oh, God. Why don't you be a ham and shift some over? Oh my god! The worst part about these puns is like I didn't. We don't even talk about it. You just do them. Um, you know, all right, this guys. Is how I do it. This is how I do it. Thanks for listening. Um, I know this was like a little bit out of character for the last couple of weeks, but I still hope it was enriching for you. And you know, for us, like whatever, we just talked about what we want at this point. I'm not even totally sure who listens. We're just uh, planting um, the seed. Yeah, pretty much. So, anyways. Kai stays on point. This is Noah at root.solution on Instagram and Facebook. Feel free to reach out to me if you ever need anything. And you are? I am Control the Basics. And is the basics. anyone that has farmland available in California, let me know. <laughs> oh, stop it. You don't want you don't want farmland in California, bro. You're just going to be growing weed. That's all they do. We'll see. I mean, it might be lucrative. <laughs> yeah. Just weed. All right, buddy. Uh, I'll catch you on the the flippity flop. Flippity flop. I'll see you later.